Imagine a place where students use media, creativity, communication, and critical thinking to make stories come to life. A place where authentic audiences are enlightened by the kids who live there. Hawk Media Productions at Kealakehe Intermediate School, located in Kona, Hawaii, is an example of that place where students strive daily for the summit. From school broadcasts, Hiki No Stories, Community Spotlights, and now podcasts, Hawk Media Productions hopes to inspire other schools to get involved in meaningful learning for the community and the world. Believe it or not, all schools have the students, teachers, and community partners to be the spark for what school could be in Hawaii. Welcome to Season 1, Semester 2 of the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast. This series features the stories of creative and innovative educators who are influencing, motivating, and inspiring Hawaii, the nation, and the world. Now, let's send it off to your host, Josh Rapoon. Hey everybody, this is the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast. I am your host, Josh Rapoon. In Hawaii, all public education sits under one roof. We have one school district within which there are 15 complex areas. We are governed by one school board, which oversees one appointed superintendent. In this one district, there are roughly 180,000 public and public charter school students at 292 schools. 168 of our schools are elementary level. One of those elementary schools is Alawai Elementary in the Honolulu District. And today, we will be talking to Lori Kui, one of Alawai Elementary's epic third and fourth grade educators. Lori, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Josh. Good morning. Good morning. So <clears throat> for our audience out there, we're going to, for semester number two, we're going to do a slightly different format. We're going to do a, what I'm calling 10 questions format. So for our guests, it's going to be 10 questions for Lori Kui. And we're going to roll through these questions and we're going we're to get a bunch of stuff about you out onto the table. Okay. So Lori, question number one. You have a professional diploma from the University of Hawaii at Manoa in English literature. So the question is, in what ways has that degree and that learning informed or influenced your life, your interests, your passions, your travels? The degree of English and writing is honed in with my passion. And I share that out that from elementary school, I found the joy in reading novels, listening to stories, visiting the library. And through that, I discovered I enjoy reading and writing. And when I reached my college years, I found the desire to share that as a teacher and in my profession. And in my profession, it became a joyful reading. I can read aloud to the students. We can talk about character development, how they may connect to the world with their feelings, their experiences. And through writing, they can express themselves vividly, boldly, and personally as well. Because some things are so private, we might not talk about it orally, but we could write about it. And it feels good to share it. And with that passion, I found that others get delighted. Reading is such an important, valued platform for success and happiness and well-being. And when you feel confident in yourself in that light, it just becomes vibrant. You feel whole and, and valued. And I feel 
with the reading and writing, you have that belief that I can do it. I love it. And I want to be a part of it. My fourth graders now, they love read-alouds. We're reading the story, Hello Universe, by Erin Estrada Kelly, about a particular character who's going through some relationship issues, maybe being um, bullied a bit and disconnected just because of his special needs and finding he can find his place in the world with other friends and acceptance and finding your talents. So my students really feel this real life connection with the characters that they make sense of it, that they develop empathy, a more awareness of how they treat others and how they view themselves in that light. Mm -hmm. So there's many different novels we dig into. I get them excited with the wish tree and just for them to borrow chapter books. And now for them to tell me, Squee, I love reading. I never loved reading before, but I love it now. And it takes that experiential feeling to really show and model. I love reading. I hope you love it as much as I do. And you can share that passion and joy with others out in the world with that. Mm -hmm. and it's so rich. It's so exciting because when we love it, I think the students feel that electricity and they love it too, and that excitement just elevates. You know, Lori, as of about three years ago, our Department of Education has been started to move forward based on three pillars. Um, so teacher collaboration, student design, and um, I'm sorry, um, school design, and student voice. So in, in what ways has literature and reading and all of the rich, richness therein um, in your classroom sort of elevated this notion of student voice for your students? Student voice has been a huge, huge part of our, our vision and our dream and embracing who they are. So we started, um, I say we, with our fourth graders last year. They chose bullying as their particular topic of interest because they had been bullied for a number of years. And through our trusting relationships and open discussions and reading and writing and researching about it, as well as students sharing openly about their experiences, they chose bullying as their topic. And most, wow, inspiring, inspiringly is that um, two bullies in class openly shared that they were bullies. Mm -hmm. And the class was so shocked as well as myself because it took so much courage and confidence to open yourself up that vulnerably right. to share that. But what happened through that is the students talked about it, about forgiveness, or did they want to keep that anger in them? But they listened to the two bullies share that they wanted their way. They were angry or they were abused at home and there was compassion felt by all the others and myself with an understanding wow. yeah. from their viewpoint. And they discovered the value of love and forgiveness, compassion and ways to manage anger and different emotions. Mm. So together they discovered that it's okay to be angry. We all deal with many, many challenges in our ever-changing world, fast-paced world, but they have choices in order how they'll deal with it, how they'll manage it, rather than being reactive, how can they address it with a proactive, positive outlook. So together, they healed, they talked, 
They researched, they read, they wrote, they actually presented their discoveries to our school. So on their own, they planned a grades three to five assembly called Voice and Choice, which talked about student voices and the choices they have, how they treat others, how they manage their emotions, and how they will not be a bystander as well if they see others being bullied or disconnected. Mm, And a huge part was understanding what is bullying. And um, their voice rang really loud and clear in that light. That's awesome. You reminded me of a story. All of a sudden, I hadn't thought about this for years. I had a family friend who was an elementary school teacher uh, up in the Kunia Plain area up there. I think it was Mililani um, Mauka. Um, and she was struggling because uh, I think she was teaching third grade, but her, her class didn't have any books and she didn't really have the resources to get them. So I remember in February, I went to the Punahou Carnival and I uh, bought all the Newberry Award winners. Oh, they were like yes. a buck a book or 50 cents a book or something. And I think I got, I don't know, 50 books or something and brought them up to her one day. And her kids just fell on those books like I just, you know, brought up a whole bunch of Reese's Pieces or something like that. It was really, really a neat moment. Yes. Um, so, yeah, that's very cool. Okay. So, Lori, question yes. number two. Okay. So, more than 30 years ago um, in 1985... You got your degree in elementary education. And so let's say that you're speaking in a large auditorium to a group of 100 potential teacher recruits, all of them trying to figure out if they want to take the leap into education. So the question is, what would you say to this bunch? And please, no pressure, <laughs> and, but don't hold back, yeah? So what would you say to them about coming into teaching? I would stand there proudly and ask him to follow your dream follow your passion and purpose and we're always discovering learning and for myself I've evolved as an educator where I started at in 1985 to where I am now I've grown evolved transformed and the students have transformed with me and our colleagues have risen and I tell them follow your passion take that risk if it's in your heart truly go with it because educators are really valued we're important and brilliant you can make a huge impact and change lives Mm. for everyone what's the risk that they're actually taking that you're talking about when you're talking to them what is that risk I think there might be some downplay in education some hard facts of salaries, lack of support, um, so many mandates Mm -hmm. that are placed upon your to-do list, your plates, many initiatives. There's a lot of challenges, but in every profession, there are those challenges. And just addressing it with prioritizing what's most important, Mm -hmm. seeing with clarity what's in your heart and being true to that vision and mission that you carry. Mm-hmm. And and when you when you talk to them about kind of taking the leap, yes. Um, what are what are some of the words that you might use to describe what that leap is all about? When you literally step off the cliff into something uh, like teaching, take that leap of faith. Inspire. That word stands big and bright and radiates for me. Mm -hmm. 
I look back at my teachers who influenced me and mentors who are around me, and they inspire. They send that light and hope and courage that even if it does get really hard and difficult, we can dig deep, feel that light, and know we're not alone in this. We have many, many supports and colleagues. We just have to reach out and mm -hmm. find them with that open heart and, and give all we can. And when you work hard and you're kind, truly amazing things can happen. Mm. That's awesome. Okay, so so now that you've got all of these young teacher recruits fired up, right? Um, yes. And you've, you've talked them into taking the leap of faith. Um, so here's question number three. Um, I'm going to assume that as you taught third, fourth, fifth, and sixth grades at a series of schools um, between 1987 and 2019, and now we're here in 2020, um, that somewhere along that continuum, you began to gain confidence and clarity in your mission and vision as a teacher. So when did that happen? I know sometimes it's hard to identify, but you don't need to, it's not a, spe a specific date, but it's kind of somewhere along that continuum, um, you began to know your mission and vision. And, and then the second part of the question is what what be became your mission and vision like? When did it become clear? And what was the mission and vision that became clear to you? Sure. Along my education journey, I see this memory and I remember this spark, this spark of high enthusiasm and interest me with a project. It was a student-based project with student voices sharing their passion. So at Alawai, we've had support with the 21st century process and having students delve into their curiosity. So two questions were asked. What are you most curious about? What are you most interested in? And the wildest ideas come about. But those wildest ideas are genuine because they're authentic to the children's interests. And that particular first year in 2017, the students were interested in saving the critically endangered vaquita porpoise, endemic to the Sea of Cortez. And they were so passionate, they did not want to leave this. And we took this trajectory up to save and spread awareness for this critically endangered panda of the sea, wow. where the students did fundraisers from our garden. They wanted to sell produce to donate to Operation Sea Shepherd, which is a particular organization um, that patrols that particular area in the Sea of Cortez to prevent the poachers from actually dropping the gill nets where they are trying to catch the toto aba, which are these um, should I say they're prized fish where they're in the black market. The bladder is sold at anywhere from $75,000 and up for health remedies. Wow. And in that same dilemma, the vaquitas were getting caught in the gill nets. So it was a horrible cycle of greed and effect, but harming the vaquitas. So the students wanted to donate to a cause bigger than them and spread awareness. We actually went to the state capitol to see the legislators and share awareness of the vaquita porpoise. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how so many people were unaware of the vaquita porpoise, including me. I learned along with the students. 
So every day it became not a scripted lesson plan. We knew our vision. We knew our mission, our purpose. You know, our student voice wanting to make a cause, a civic responsibility in the world. But in that light, it depended where their interest went. Were they speaking to our legislators about a bill, about awareness? Were they doing their fundraising, speaking out to community members about raising funds? Parents were getting involved. They were making T-shirts, Save the Vaquita Porpoise. Yeah, and that was incredible, uplifting, because it's not just learning in the classroom. It's real world learning. And as educators, that's just dynamic. And it took on a huge trajectory. The following year, the students chose bullying as their project, which was a real problem-based learning. It affected them personally, Mm -hmm. but it went big out into the nation because they did videos out there and they're sharing their stories and they're living it. What, as a, what a contrast to have the porpoise on the one hand and bullying, and bullying on the other. On the other. Exactly. And, but when you give them the opportunity to dig deep into something that they care about, that's what happens. That's what happens. You go off in these different tangents, but it's based on their heartfelt curiosities. So this year's group of fourth graders are interested in how kindness and sharing aloha can impact your health physically mentally, wow. your microbiome. The ultimate science project. Exactly. It's mm-hmm. on a huge stem on um, health, well-being, and nurturing. Education is important, but so is your emotional mm-hmm. aspect. So it's really rich how it, we flow. So it sounds like what happened is that along that continuum, your mission and vision, which appears to be student agency, yes. handing over the ownership of their learning to them, that's where that happened. And that you, from that point forward, which is until today, that that's where you're locked and loaded, right? Is on student agency. You're really so correct. It's letting go of the teacher control in so many ways that perhaps I was traditionally locked mm-hmm. into and discovering that change is really evident and 21st century learning to have the students be self-directed, self-motivated, mm-hmm. have that self-confidence, just elevate them to be critical thinkers, to discover and dream imagine. So every year, I don't know where this project will go, but it's super, exciting, super exciting when yeah. they're excited. Right. And it makes me want to come to work every day and get really enthused. And the students' attendance goes up because they feel empowered and they have vested in it. And then their academia, their everything just elevates. When you feel good, you are stronger together. Right. Um, before we move on to the, the next question, I have a proposal for you. Okay. Um, if the template still exists for those t-shirts for the purposes, I would love to um, have a batch made so that I could give a t-shirt to each of the guests on this podcast. That would be really, really cool. Um, so everybody you. would wear it going forward. <laughs> I love these kinds of moments when you can latch on. So does it still exist? It does. It does. We okay. still have our Save the Vaquita purpose yeah. shirts. And this year's class on the Kindness Project and Aloha, they created a hashtag Share Aloha t-shirt with their logo, Inspire Peace oh, through Aloha. And they're nice. raising funds for their peaceful oasis. Yeah. So we have many different venues where student voice 
That's very is cool. meaningful. Thank you, you so much. You and I can so talk much, after the after the recording today. Awesome. We'll Thank figure you. out the details of that. Thank you. Okay, so Lori, um, question number four. I want to talk about your work as a teacher with the Hawaii Opera Theater, including productions of the Magic Flute and Madame Butterfly. <laughs> um, you appear to have a deep love for the arts. Um, so the question is, what is that love, and and what are your hopes and dreams for the arts in public education? Arts should be vibrant and a part of all the students' education. It's a huge part of our well-being. The arts is one avenue where students can find their talents and passions and realize, wow, I have this potential I never discovered. So when I did bring in Hawaii Opera Theater for a mini residency, we performed Madame Butterfly. There was a particular fifth grade boy, and he earned the role of Papagano. He had a beautiful singing voice he never realized, and he was so dynamic and confident in his presentation. It was wonderfully done by Eric, who led the directing. But the students all shined in their, in their way, because we had kindergarten through fifth grade performing an opera, a musical, and speaking parts with props, and they performed for their parents, community guests, um, government officials. But I felt it was so such a revelation for them to discover their talents. So that particular boy went on to Kaimuki High School, joined the drama club, and he found that's what he really loved. And he's a performer now to this day. And I have students who come back to Aloe and say they remember being in that play. It was Mm -hmm. a memory that they keep with them. It's those moments that can change you and put you on a path that... I want to do this, and I can because I have the abilities if I just put my courage into it. I feel like, Lori, we go (laughs) go back to you standing on the stage talking to those teacher recruits, (laughs) and that one of the things that you can tell them is, look, 30 years from now, you can look back, you will look back, and you will have students who have made these journeys that you're just that just knock you out. In some ways they knock you out, in some ways they don't because you when you know them you expect them to do epic things in their lives, right? Yes. And so that's one of the things that you can look forward to if you're going to become a teacher is hang in there because over the decades you're going to have these stories that you anchor yourself in that yes. are very special. You are so right, Josh. Those special moments when those students come back with gratitude, appreciation, and just to know they're successful. They're out there in the workforce doing what they purposely would love to do or are doing. Right. That is a huge reward and right. gratification right there as an educator. Yeah, and the purpose, it's not like you're giving them a purpose. What They have the purpose. Have you're just it. opening up the opportunity for them yes. to express that. So. Yes, we're giving them that, that inspiration to believe yeah. To know to empower them is a great description. Yeah. They can do it. Right. Okay, so question number five, and then we're going to take a short break. Okay. So, um, Lori, Iolani School is a large private school in Honolulu, just 100 yards from Aloai Elementary, um, which is a small public school. You have partnered with Iolani uh, educators Paola Williams and Kate Tillica, um, over the years to do service learning projects. And I know both of them because I taught at Iolani. Um, so the question is, what is service learning and in what ways did these projects engage students? Service learning is definitely a huge part of our civic learning, our giving back to the community. Um, it's real world. Not thinking about yourself, but how you're going to give back to the bigger community. Mm-hmm. 
and through service learning projects such as our Reading Buddies partnership with Iolani School, um, with Kate and Paula through the years, it's really built wonderful connections and relationships between not only the students but the educators to know, although we are so different at campuses, we are so similar mm. as well. Right. We're students, we're learning, we're discovering, we're, we're eager, we're healthy, we're curious, we want friends, we want to fit in. Mm. So that relationship at that service learning, it brings that realization that we are different, but we're so similar too. Yeah. And we can give so much to others and that happiness comes right back. Right. So so these reading buddies in effect yeah. sort of um, um, where you would have a stark difference between a public and a private school student. In fact, it, it, um, it sort of takes away that barrier or it takes yeah. away that line between the two and makes it invisible. So they're just two kids who are yeah. loving reading. Yeah. That's exactly it, Josh. All those barriers are diminished, and you're you. Yeah. You're just you, and you're proud to be, and you're just like me. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> so everybody, we are going to take a short break and come back with more questions for Lori Kui. So stay with us. Toy and Amber from Entre Ed Talk. We are so excited to uplift this cool new podcast coming to you from the middle of the Pacific Ocean. What school could be in Hawaii? As always, we're super excited to support innovation and education. We've been lucky enough to feature some of these incredible educators on our own podcast, Entre Ed Talk. If you're looking to be inspired by entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial educators from across the world, join us as we share their journey and insight. Be sure to check us out wherever you listen to podcasts at Entre Ed Talk and like, subscribe, and drop us a review today. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, I'm Tyler Kern from MarketScale, and you're listening to What School Could Be in Hawaii, a podcast partnership between MarketScale and Josh Rapoon, exploring the latest insights and thought leadership in the world of EdTech. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts these days. Or just head to marketscale.com, click on industries at the top of the page, and scroll down to EdTech. We'll see you there. Hey, everybody. This is the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast. I am your host, Josh Rapoon, and we are back with Lori Kui. So, Lori, this is question number six. Um, right now, I'm listening to Joe Bowler's book, Limitless Mind. And she consistent, consistently references the guru of neuroplasticity and the growth mindset, Carol Dweck. Bowler also talks about becoming, quote unquote, unlocked as a teacher, as an educator. So you've described yourself as having a growth mindset. So the question is, why is it valuable for educators to have a growth mindset? And where do you go to buy one? <laughs> It's right in you. You have the capacity to do all you can. And a growth mindset just allows you to adapt to change, to be growing, evolving, transforming, and be willing to learn. And we all are lifelong learners. We have that desire and to better ourselves in every way. And there are setbacks. I've definitely had setbacks, but just learning, they are life lessons. How am I going to problem solve, move forward, collaborate? Mm-hmm. 
I started my teaching career back in the in the early 90s, I think with a fixed mindset. I was teaching at Punahou and there was a, a curriculum that needed to be delivered to the kids, a lot of information. Yes. So I was that cliche sage on the stage. Um, and I do know when that growth mindset idea kind of showed up inside me and that, that tr I went through the transition to a growth yeah. mindset. So like, what is that like? What is What can you tell fellow educators who may be listening to this and thinking, I think I'm kind of in a fixed mindset. What, what, what can you tell them about what that switch is like to switch into an open mindset? To switch into it could be scary, taking a risk, but everything valued is worth taking that risk. And I recommend if it's scary, do it, try it. If it doesn't work, go back, problem solve. But you might find when that growth mindset it's working. I like it better. There's more productivity. There's flourishing, learning more because we're constantly evolving, constantly learning. So I might ask you, like, what is it that I'm going to be trying? When you say try it, mm. like, what is it that I, the, the fixed mindset educator, might be trying? To learn something new, to accept something different. Mm to bring in a new awareness. For myself, it was letting go of traditional teachings and realizing there's there's so many standards, so much content to teach, but realizing that I can do it with uh, integrated lessons that are really meaningful, mm. project-based learning, bringing it about from the school, grade level to the school, maybe out to the community, bringing about in the civic learning, but a huge sense of integration, interdisciplinary units that mm. are creative and bringing about an authentic teaching. Mm. So like when you come into a classroom situation and you simply flip and say, today we're gonna actually start the semester with the two questions, yeah. right? And those two questions again are? What are you most interested in? What are you curious about? So right away you flipped into a growth mindset. Into that Be growth mindset because, because we're allowing the students right. to have their voice and feel empowered and be drivers right. of their education. And I have them write down their ideas on post-its right. so they don't feel so insecure about saying it out loud. So they write it down and then they'll chart it and post it. But they're wild, they're, they're fun. And that's what learning should be. I think that's what a growth mindset is. It's wild. It's discovery, and it's fun along the way. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you're actually developing a designer's mindset. So design thinking comes into it right away yes. because putting those ideas out on the table is part of that process, right? Yes. It's part of the inventory of, of ideas that you do discovery about. So that's awesome. Okay, so, Lori, question number seven. Um, partly as a result of your work at Alawai Elementary on bullying and also the work that you noted earlier uh, about the Vaquita Porpoise, you were awarded uh, nationally with something called the 2018-2019 Life Changer of the Year Award. So w the question is, what did this award mean to you? And in what ways was this award a collaborative effort, especially with your principal, Michelle Debuska? Life Changer of the Year Award was astonishing. It was a surprise and a humble honor. And I'm thankful for Michelle and Joyce for penning together the grand nomination. I'm truly honored and humbled to represent Alawai School, the students, 
uh, the staff, our administration, and our community, because this was a full project that took everyone. Mm -hmm. The students' voice definitely started out with this bullying project. the students felt empowered, so they created these voice and choice assemblies. They created a bully policy in student-friendly language so that the students were able to understand right now when they looked at the current policy, it was confusing to them with the vocabulary. So they collaborated wow. and created their own version as well as a peaceful pledge that they recite and they shared out with the school. Um, they partnered with many different agencies and organizations, and their voice was heard. And I'm very grateful for this national grand prize mm-hmm. finalist award to share the students' project and to share the good things happening Alawai and how worldwide we can all prevent bullying through the love, the compassion, forgiveness, and ways to manage those emotions. I, as you describe this, it's like literally I can feel the energy on your campus. It must have been like like wild horses got loose from the paddock at times. Like when you let the kids run with it, they really run with it. Did it feel like that? They took it sky high. <laughs> they just really were up and beyond joyful. They bonded together. Mm-hmm. Everyone was accepted whether you were a special needs student, an English language learner, Mm. everyone felt a part and they spoke. Right. They found they had each other because there was this one boy in his presentation, he was nervous. He had two sentences to speak and he was not used to. He didn't have that opportunity in the past. And there another student placed a hand on his shoulder, gentle encouragement. And he said it eloquently. And afterwards, you talked to the kids, and it was so profound that it meant so much that they could do it. They were scared, but yeah. they said, we did it, and they felt proud. And that's, it becomes prideful. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> so, Lori, okay, question number eight. Um, I know this sounds weird to say this, but I have a dream. <laughs> and it kind of comes a few days after Martin Luther King Day. Um, so, Lori, I, I have this dream of a, of a multitude, a host, a legion of innovative, imaginative, creative educators, all taking what you took, which is a leap of faith. And I imagine this legion all working professionally together to develop themselves together and to support each other across this state. So what I'm not imagining here, the dream is not that we would have a bunch of educators go to a conference and get watered like plants and then go back and wilt. This is actually a legion of people uh, 24-7 who are professionally developing themselves. And I guess the question I want to ask you is, what will it take to realize this dream? Dreams are all possible. Taking that core of people willing to come together, to inspire. For example, through this podcast, you bring about great people who have great ideas, and we connect and network, spread that networking, and it can be possible. Just bringing us together for the right cause, the right reasons, empowering leaders, because everyone is a leader. Let's come together creatively, authentically, and collaborate. 
Mm-hmm. It's those voices. Teacher voice matters. People's voices matter. So the format in some ways has to be more of a intimate one-on-one, one-on-two, one-on-three type of format instead of large groups in a room. That this way the ideas that are running around in your head and in your heart are, are spark to another person. Is that what you're imagining? I imagine that an intimate group and building those trusting relationships mm. where you could be honest with your ideas, not feel judged, but appreciating each other and knowing, wow, that works there, it's possible anywhere. But yes, personal, intimate, cohesive learning groups, like our dream teams. And does uh, this, does, is this happening at Alawai Elementary? Do you feel like your faculty, by and large, are now starting to treat each other that way? As like the, the relationships are trusting, people are talking to each other, you're sharing ideas? Most definitely. At Alawai School, Michelle's a wonderful visionary. She models all that and trusts us in our job, in our vision. And we have opportunities to collaborate in our teams across grade levels, across our whole faculty. And we feel there's a lot of openness that we can share with each other, mm-hmm. have concerns, mm-hmm. looking at problems to solve, different ways to solve it, but being there to support each other, knowing that in the end our vision is success for all students. And it sounds like a real key player in all of this is your principal, Michelle Dubuska, is when you have a principal who's got your back and is excited about you taking that leap whenever it is you decide to do that, that's crucial to the process. Most definitely. She's very, very supportive of everyone and Mm -hmm. cares, number one, the students, teachers, and everyone's safe and Mm. following our vision of Mm. caring, aloha, kindness, and following our core values Mm. at Alawai. It seems like also, though, the teachers in all reality have to understand that if that if that cultural shift at the school is going to continue, it's up to them. Um, if a if a principal of Michelle, God forbid, leaves and goes somewhere else, you have to be principal proof in a way. Yes. That culture has to be able to withstand someone who might not have that same value. Yes, our culture is thriving. We take time to nurture our relationships and cultivate that um, mm-hmm. unique culture and diversity we have at Alawai. That's awesome. Okay, so Lori, question number nine. We're coming down towards the end here. So question number nine is, um, in all seriousness, if I had a nickel for uh, every time somebody locally, nationally, globally said, you know, kids have a tremendous amount of latent creativity and imagination and innovation, and middle school and high school crushes it out of them. Um, If I had a nickel for every time somebody said that, I'd be fabulously rich. Mm. Um, So (laughs) on February 29th, the Hawaii Association of Middle-Level Educators will gather at Mid-Pacific Institute for its annual conference. So let's put you back up on stage um, and in front of uh, whatever number of people, 100 people who are assembling, and you're a keynote speaker. Um, So in the context of that idea that we tend to crush the creativity out as they go upwards in grades, Mm -hmm. what's your message to that assembled group of middle school educators? That creativity still needs to elevate. It still moves on. It's within those great educators. There's great opportunities 
The process allows the students to be self-directed, self-motivated, to envision and be discoverers and be adaptable to the changes in the 21st century. Mm -hmm. And what if I'm that middle school teacher that comes up to you afterwards and says, that's nice what you're saying, Lori, but we really have to start getting kids ready for college. So I don't know about this creativity stuff. It's embedded in. If you dig deep into those student-based learning projects, students' interests, you can hit so many more standards deeper. In that deeper processing, it's not just superficial memory. It's meaningful, deep, critical thinking, problem-solving. And that's the attributes we hope every student graduates with. Mm. I, I, I try not to ask closed questions, but I'm about to ask okay, a closed sure. one here. Yes. So I'm just curious because you've got me thinking now, um, is Alawai Elementary having conversations with the middle schools and the high schools in your complex area about the continuity of creativity and imagination and innovation that, in other words, you're trying to reach out to them to say, not in these words, don't crush it out of them. We've got these super you know, creative kids. But are you having those kinds of conversations with other schools to, to see what that continuity might look like? Our complex does have conversations. We have district events. At this point, we are starting conversations, talking mm-hmm. about the processes. We're coming together in science, mm. uh, science showcases. There's opportunities for complex trainings. We are kicking off a great kindness challenge, but there's different avenues where mm-hmm. we're having opportunities to collaborate together mm-hmm. and find that common balance because we'd like that continuum to be seamless. Mm-hmm. We want the transition to be positive for the students to thrive and still have that creativity illuminated. That's awesome. I'm, I'm hoping that those conversations really accelerate now in Hawaii. Um, that all of the elementary and middle schools are having conversations with the high schools about what that, what that experience is like for kids so that the creativity can remain something that's valued and student voice as well. Yes. So, Lori, we're, we're here at question number 10. Okay. Um, and so you, you started last uh, school year, it might have been actually the year before, with the two questions that you described for your students. So I'm going to bring this episode to a close with three questions for you. (laughs) Um, So the first two questions are the questions that you asked your students. So Lori, what are you interested in? And Lori, what are you curious about? But the third question is a riff off of the title of the book that inspired this podcast. And so the third question is, Lori, what could school be? Those are the three questions. Thanks. Great three questions. I love that. What are you interested in? So I found my interest, it it hones, it moves and flows as everyone evolves. So I love my passion about reading, writing. I love journaling. Most recently, I found a heightened passion in yoga. So I do core power yoga and I found the really wonderful benefits of mindfulness and how it can help you deal with just different elements that are at, um, you deal with every day. So I teach yoga to my students every morning. We wow. start off our morning with a yoga practice, starting with deep breathing, exhaling, inhaling. We're out there doing downward dog or forward fold or tree. And the children are learned, they enjoy it very much. An interesting they're more focused during the day and as a re- reflection back I'm 
more focused and more patient mm. too. So that's been wonderful. And the faculty has asked, can I teach yoga to them? So I've done a couple classes with them <laughs> after school. Right, right. So it's been really fun to share my passion. Right. I'm most interested in, I love health and wellness. How do you keep healthy, happy, and balanced? Mm-hmm. And that surely ties into our kindness and yoga study and the practices of different ways to deal with the emotions we have as humans. And so what could school be? School can be amazing, an amazing venue, an amazing experience. Because school should be an experience you desire to go to, to find your passion, your purpose, to be highly enthused, and to continue fueling that creativity and fire to find out who you are meant to be and who you will be. Lori Kui, Life Changer of the Year, an epic educator at Alawai Elementary in Honolulu, Hawaii. Thank you for being on this podcast today. Thank you so much, Josh. It's an honor. It's fun. Good. Thank you. Okay. Welcome back to Season 1, Semester 2 of the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast. We are so excited to share all of the new educators for this month. Coming up next on the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast... 2020 Hawaii Charter School Teacher of the Year, Zoe Ingerson, of the School for Examining Essential Questions of Sustainability. Find the What School Could Be in Hawaii podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher, as well as at mltsinhawaii.com. Join the ongoing conversation across social media. Look for Most Likely to Succeed in Hawaii on Facebook, and at MLTS in Hawaii on Instagram and Twitter. Tag your posts with hashtag what school could be, hashtag deeper learning, hashtag edchat, and hashtag education. Our next interviews will be recorded on Saturday, February 22nd. You can join us in the studio through the magic of Facebook Live. Find us at the most likely to succeed in Hawaii Facebook page. We want to hear from you. Send your comments, questions, and feedback to mltsinhawaii at gmail.com. If you love this podcast series, we would really appreciate a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to help us reach a wider audience of innovative educators. And please feel free to share this series with colleagues, friends, and family. Your host is Josh Rapoon. Our podcast consultant and sound engineer is Ryan Ozawa. The editor for this episode is the student managing director, Mae Kanata, under the guidance of Matthew Williams. Learn more at hawkmediaproductions.com. And special thanks to Ted Dintersmith, author and education change agent. Now, off to your next epic adventure. Class dismissed.